Christmas is here. This happens every year. And I was thinking about a cool video uh, that I saw just this past week to kind of give some insight into tonight. And so there's a little girl getting baptized. And uh, the, the minister, he has her, she's there in the tank, in the baptismal tank, and she's about to get baptized. And the minister said to her, he says, is Jesus in your heart? She said, yes. And he said, and where are you going to go someday? And, and the correct answer is heaven, just so you know. He looked at her, he said, where are you going to go someday? She said, Disneyland. <laughs> and <laughs> you're thinking, how's that connected today? It's interesting how much we connect together our earthly dreams with the heavenly gift of Christ. And certainly I understand a little girl wanting to go to Disney. I mean, who would not want to go there someday if you're a little kid? Certainly, if you're my age, not a big deal about that. But if you're her age, what a place to go. But the connection to me was interesting because in his mind, the greatest thing she could do was know she's going to go to heaven. But in her mind, the greatest thing for her next step in life was to go to yeah, that's maybe how many of you in the house think the same thing right now. You're thinking, how do we get to Disney right now with this cold weather outside? You know, Christmas is unique because we tend to bring Christmas into other cultural connection celebrations and holidays the same way. Let me just give you real fast a quick reading. This is from a 5th century uh, liturgy of St. James. He said this, he says, Let all mortal flesh keep silent and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded. For with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descended, our full homage to demand. Now think about that for a brief moment real fast. Jesus came to this earth not just to package himself as a baby in a, an amazing story, certainly, of angels and shepherds and all the things around Christmas conversations, but Jesus came to literally look to us and give us the opportunity to establish him as not just a person, not just someone on the earth, but literally the son of God and literally the king of kings and lord of lords and literally the one that we should all bow and worship. Now think about that just, just for a second because around Christmas time, we often come back to Christmas dialogue and the person of Christ and the baby in the manger, and rightfully so. But I want to take you real fast to Matthew's Gospel, the second chapter. I'm going to read you a story about what I call a journey to worship, a journey to worship. This is Matthew 2, 1 through 11. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi or wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? And when they saw his star, when it arose, they've come to worship him. He says, we saw the star, we've come to worship him. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written to us. In verse 6, but you, O Bethlehem, and land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi, the wise men, secretly, and found out from them the exact time they had saw the star appear. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for this child. As soon as you find him, as soon as you find him, he said, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
And after they'd heard the king, they, they went their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now notice here, this is not a baby, this is a child. This is sometime after his birth. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed, and coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him and they opened their treasures and they presented the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, what's unique about this in most Christmas stories, we often package together the, the shepherds, the angel, and the wise men all in the same picture. Well, they're not really in the same picture. They're literally months, if not years later. We do that because it would not behoove us to hold you for two years at a church Christmas production. You would leave waiting on the wise men to get there, right? I got to go. I got to have, you know, get a family and get married. Can't stay for two more years of this conversation. But we often miss this because what you have here is you see, you have these Gentile wise men, probably from Babylon, who saw this star in the sky. And they saw this star, and this star brought them to the place of reflecting back upon what they had heard taught throughout the world history and conversation on religious dialogues. And they make a decision upon seeing this star to take a journey, not a short journey by any means, likely months, possibly longer than that. And they took off to meet and to worship this king. I'm interested in this because if you're like me, if you see things in the sky, you, you might have a hunch to go check it out. Anybody here ever chase down the, the, the big lights in the sky and try to find where they're coming from and you get there and it's a used car place? <laughs> and you're going, I drove 40 minutes for this. It's a 40-minute drive and I just got to a used car place just opened up last week. And you're thinking, I wasted this gas for a used car place. No offense to used car places, but I mean, 40 minutes of my life is just now gone for looking at a light in the sky. So when I think about this, if I could somehow get you to place yourself in their sandals for a brief moment when something in the sky appeared. Now this is different than the shepherds and the angels. This is a whole different conversation. But something happened that when they saw this, they made the choice to begin a journey. Now I thought about this and I think there's three basic things that they could have processed or that we might process if we saw something like this ourselves. If we were in their sandals, if we were in their position, if we were riding the back of their camels, we might have a couple different responses. First of all, just what I call basic indifference. I mean, not everybody even cares about Christmas. There are plenty of people that when you mention Jesus and the birth of the Son of God, they look at you like, what? They, they look at you like no big to do. There's just an indifference to it. Why go look? Why check it out? It's going to go away. It, 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 it's kind of like going from your first kid to your second kid. When your first kid's born, every time the kid makes a sound, the entire family goes running to check on that kid, right? True. And that how this works in families today? That second kid can be screaming for help. And you're going, ah, they're good. They're good. They just... They'll work it out. Let them go. They're fine. They're no big to do. So think about this. First option, indifference. The scar goes up, and they look across, and they go, that's pretty neat. You want to go? Nah, I'm good. You're good. I'm good. Let's just stay right here. The second thought is the idea of interest. Let's go, let's go check it out. This could be fun. 
Let's go on a journey. Anybody you're here in the house, you're just always up for a road trip anywhere. Put your hand up high. I mean, yeah, let's go to, let's go to Wisconsin tomorrow. Why not? Let's go to New York. Sure, I'll beat you at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll take a bus or train. Think about this. Interest. Go check it out. Why not? Nothing to lose here. Could be fun. Let's go on a road trip. Get your stuff together. Pack up your bags. Get your camel all gassed up, I guess. Let's go check it out. The first option is just indifferent. Second option, interest. I think there's a third option that they could really kind of lead us to comprehend because this is what they came to do. And that's the option of going not just to see, not just to be intrigued, but to literally worship. It wasn't just another trip. It was a trip they prepared for, they brought gifts for, and this is really an important part of the story. Jesus did not just come to be a baby in a manger. He did not just come to be God in the flesh, although he is certainly Emmanuel, God with us. He is God in the flesh. He's the incarnation. He is the son of God. But Jesus came literally to be a king that we would worship. Now, if you think about that, this is why Herod was not a happy camper. Herod understood that in a kingdom, you cannot have more than one king. I mean, it's just basic. You know, you, you really can't have two kings in the same kingdom. But when I look at this picture of worship, I thought about worship and what it might mean for us tonight. And I realized that when you look at the Christmas story and you look at the people that are indifferent to it, again, not everybody is stopping somewhere this day to go to a house of worship and identify that Jesus was the Son of God and born of this earth. Not everybody's doing that. There's plenty of people today in Chicagoland who will not be anywhere in a place like this today that you're sitting in right now. They're buzzing around, last minute, someone forgot the green beans, someone go get the cornbread, we're going to have dinner tomorrow. There's just an indifference to it. And then you have people that there's an interest, and they'll, they'll come and check it out. And then you have those that when they think about the birth of the Messiah, the Son of God, they literally want to present something as a gift of worship. Now, worship is not an easy thing to do. And, and here's why worship actually takes some work. These guys had to take some effort to go on a journey. I'm going to be the first to tell you that worshiping God is a little bit work sometimes. i got to be honest with you. If, if I told you I always want to come to church, that would not be honest. Sometimes I go to church because I need to be there. Sometimes I go because I want to be there. Sometimes I go because I'm excited to be there. there. There's various reasons. So literally worship itself is not always easy. Sometimes worship takes work. But is, is there anything in this life of any value that doesn't take work? Everything takes some work. If you have a good marriage, that took work. If you have good kids, that took work. If you save money, that takes work. Nothing of any value in this life comes with ease. Work is part of our assignment as God's creation. The second thought about worship quickly is that, that worship is an example of giving something worth. Worship gives something worth. Now, I would submit to you that by you coming out tonight, you have given some worth to the idea of the Son of God being born, that the prophets foretold, 
and that the incarnation took place. That's why you're here. At some level, you're here. No matter how deep you're into that conversation, at some level, this is why you arrived tonight. So worship takes some worth. Worship is really the only thing you can give a king because a king already has everything. A king needs nothing else. He has all his needs met. He has his supply. He has his servants. He has his kingdom. The only thing you can give to a king is worship. And worship by itself is the total commitment to understand that everything I have is now a gift back to you for all you've given to me. That's how we worship our God the best. But worship can also be a little bit deceiving. Not everybody who shows up to worship Jesus on Christmas Eve believes that he is the king. Just like Herod. Herod said, hey, when you guys find him, let me know. Send me a text. I'll meet you there. Because I want to go and worship him too. And that was not a true statement. Herod was going to kill him because that would affect his kingdom. You know, what I'm intrigued about the most, honestly, if I'm candid with you tonight, is not the people that have no interest at all. I I love to study people. I could sit at an airport all day long and watch folks walk the concourse and just, you know, drink a Coke and just kind of hang out and just watch people move around. I'm a people watcher. Anybody in the house today, you're a people watcher? I think they call that stalking nowadays, but otherwise it's, you know, kind of fun to still watch people. I'm not really focused right now on the folks who have no interest because they've already made their declaration. I'm more interested in folks that have some interest, but not enough to make it a full commitment of worship. And then I'm always interested in the folks that make the journey, but never bring anything to worship the king with. And beyond that, the folks that make the journey, maybe once a year, twice a year, three times a year. And they do all the right stuff and they say all the right things and they have this idea that there is a God, there is a Savior, there is a child who was born one day to give us eternal life, but they just don't give themselves fully over to the idea of that Lordship conversation. And tonight I want to challenge you this afternoon to to reconsider why you took a journey to see the King. Why did you show up here today? Well, because someone made me. Okay, that's fair. But at the core of it, there's something inside of you that says this could be a valid conversation. There's places I won't even go. If you have a vegan festival, I'm not going to it. I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) If my wife says, honey, let's go ice skating, I say, I don't do that. You don't put people my size on skates. It just doesn't work out for mankind or for the ice. It's a problem. But somewhere in your heart, there is something that says there can be something to this conversation. But tonight, I want to just make the pitch to you and challenge you to not make the journey all this way that you've come, taken time out of your schedule, showed up here, and then just walk away like nothing ever happened. See, Jesus didn't come just to be a baby. Here he's a child. In this story, Jesus came to be your Savior, your Lord, and your King. Of which all you can give a king is worship. I want right there where you sit right now, I'm going to give you a chance to make Jesus your Savior 
and your king. It's real simple. We, we do this by a very basic process of, first of all, confessing Jesus as our Savior by acknowledging our sinfulness. Everybody here at some point will confess that he is Lord. You want to do it on this side of eternal judgment, not on the other side of it, by the way. You want to do it tonight. You do that by acknowledging that you're in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner, broken by my sinful nature. I was born with a sin nature, so were you. So was everybody in this house and those watching online. But Jesus came to give you eternal hope tonight. And then you make a confession, then you begin to live a different life, and that's what we call lordship, where he now begins to govern how you live every day. Not govern in a controlling way, but governing in a directional way to how you have a, help you have a better life. Not, not a worse life, but a much better life. That's what Christ Jesus can do for you tonight. So if you say, Marty, I'm not living like I should live. I, I kind of get the story. I kind of show up every year. But tonight I want to make a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. I want to make him my Savior and my Lord tonight. In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and they're right there where you sit. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Just put a hand up and wave him real fast, okay? So I'm going to ask you to do just right there where you sit. Thank you already. Just, just give me a second. When I hit three, just put your hand as high as you can. And what you're saying is you're saying tonight, I want to say a prayer of faith. I want my past and my sins washed away. I want the promise of eternal life. I want the hope of heaven to be mine. When I hit three, don't be slow. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. Don't make the journey all the way. And then not acknowledge him as king over your life. When I hit three, put your hand high. One, two, three. Three, hand as high as you can right now. Thank you. My goodness, thank you. Wave at me. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Keep your hand up high. Seventeen, eighteen. Keep your hand up high. Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. Keep your hand up. Twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six. Keep your hand up high. Thirty-seven, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two. 43. You might say, why do you count? Here's why we count, because every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. God cares about you tonight. Do you believe it? He does. All right, I'm going to pray with you. And listen, if I didn't see your hand, no, no worries at all. God saw your hand. That matters the most by far. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith, those in the house and those online. Pray this prayer. We're going to all pray with you out loud together. Are you ready to pray, church? Say yes. Come on, say, Father God. Come on, say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I confess today that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I announce you the risen Son of God, my Savior, and my Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, big hand today for God's saving grace over your life. Now, we're not done yet. One last thing, if you prayed that prayer of faith and you're watching online, text the number on the screen. We want to connect with you. If you prayed that prayer of faith and you're in the room, when the service concludes today, I'll be over here at the foot of the cross. I'd love to shake your hand get to know your name, and pray for you to experience the life that God has for you, okay? When we dismiss everyone in a few moments, not now, at that time, come meet me over here 
at the foot of the cross. How I many thank God that Jesus was born? The Savior showed up. The Messiah is here. Come on, give God your biggest praise tonight. He is a good God.